This is Transmission Interrupted, the podcast series from NeedTech, the National Emerging Special Pathogens Training and Education Center. Welcome to Transmission Interrupted from NeedTech. Hello and welcome. My name is Jill Morgan. I'm an ICU nurse at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, and I'm joined today by Trish Tennell, coming to you from New York City, Health and Hospitals Bellevue. This is our third and final episode in our debut podcast series from NeTech, entitled Viruses, Mutations, and Variants. Oh my. And if you're not familiar with NeTech, our mission is to increase the capability of the United States public health and healthcare systems to safely and effectively manage individuals with suspected and confirmed special pathogens in cooperation with the CDC, and funded by ASPR, the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. So welcome back. Today, we're going to wrap up our conversation about viruses and mutations and variants with a bit of practical information. Today, we'll be talking less about viruses, labs, and genomics, and more about what viruses can cause. Specifically, we'll be talking about the SARS-CoV-2 virus and COVID-19, the disease. In our previous episodes, we talked about the basics of viruses, mutations, and variants. Today, we get to the, oh my. Yeah, I was really at the upper end of my understanding of mutations and viral strains. And so as a nurse, I'm actually much more comfortable talking about illness, disease, and death. And that's a fun side of you, Jill. As we get started, I have to warn you, Jill, there's going to be math involved in today's episode. (sighs) Okay, not my best subject, but I'm going to try. In the previous episode, we talked about some of the variants that we've been watching, and right now, a few of those are variants of concern, the alpha, the beta, the gamma, the delta. So we're going to talk about these variants that are spreading quickly and how that happens. Yeah, these variants that seem to be spreading really fast, and how we know that, of course, is that more of the samples collected with that swab in the back of your nose or throat have these particular changes to them. The one you're hearing about most right now is the Delta variant. And the Delta variant is the fastest growing variant in the U.S. The mutations it has seems to help the virus attach to our cells and stay latched on, like something stuck to your hand that you have a tough time shaking off. The stickiness lets that virus hang on and around longer in our cells, where it can make more and more copies of itself. And people walking around with more copies of the virus in them also have more copies of the virus to share when they exhale. And voila, one person with symptoms can make many more people sick. Yeah, so we talked previously about what it takes to make a variant successful and dangerous. Those are things like it getting into our cells easier or evading detection from our immune system or making more copies. So now we're going to talk about what that means for people. These viruses are invading our cells and using us as hosts and making us sick. So now we're going to concentrate on the Delta variant today because it really has picked up steam since its emergence in India. It's found in more than 80 countries, and it's outcompeting the native version of SARS-CoV-2 in many places. And so far, the evidence looks like it's about 50 to 60 percent more transmissible. So 50 percent more people get it. It's 50 percent more likely I'll spread it. We're going to need to talk more about what the phrase more transmissible actually means. And I want to warn you, everybody listening, this is where the math comes in. When we hear a disease is more transmissible, we are talking about its reproductive rate. Now, earlier, we talked about the virus replicating inside cells, right? But in this case, we're talking about the number of people with the disease the virus causes. 
So SARS-CoV-2 replicates, as we talked about in the first two episodes of this podcast, and now we're talking about the disease it causes, COVID-19, and how it moves from one person to another, how the disease, if you will, multiplies. Transmissibility is related to the disease's reproductive rate, or what's called an r naught, an R with a zero next to it. And it's a complicated formula, and we're not going to really go into a lot of that. We're going to stay on a pretty basic level here. But we can think about it as being how many people any one person can spread a disease to. So you can imagine that diseases that need very little contact between people have a higher r naught than diseases that require you to, I don't know, touch somebody, drink contaminated water, you know, be up close and personal. The diseases with the very highest r naught are the ones where the disease can spread through the air. Something like measles, where, and this is scary true, someone with measles could mm, walk down a corridor and somebody else an hour later could get measles just from walking that same corridor, breathing the air that person had exhaled. And that should scare anyone, Jill. But we don't hear much about that anymore because most people have been vaccinated against measles. Reproductive rates are hard to get right because you need to have a lot of information. And that's hard to gather in the middle of an outbreak. At the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, lots of places were trying to do contact tracing. Where could this one person have gotten the disease from? But once an outbreak is big, there are going to be so many sources that need to be traced. So we often get an accurate number once the outbreak is over. Yeah. Contact tracing looks at a lot of the variables that go into calculating an r naught or the reproductive number of the disease. Who might I have given COVID to? Where was I? Who else was around? How many people ended up getting infected? But in order to calculate the r naught correctly, we also have to know how many people in the population are susceptible to any disease versus how many might already be immune. Who got vaccinated? Who's already had it? Does somebody have natural immunity? So figuring out r naughts and susceptibility is very tricky to do on the fly. Now that we're talking about disease spreading, what does it mean to say the Delta variant is 50% more transmissible? We're looking at the data on the variant in a given area, and then we're comparing it to the data for the original version of the virus. And 50% is a huge increase. Okay, but 50% sounds like you're just saying half again, right? So instead of me giving it to two people, I'd give it to three. And that doesn't seem too huge, but it ends up that way really quickly. Recent data from the public health in the UK say the Delta variant is actually associated with a 64% increased chance of household transmission. That's 64% not just of the native or very first outbreak or version of the COVID virus, but actually the most recent. So it's 64% more transmissible than even some of the other variants that are out there. Now, for the sake of easy math today, we're just going to stick with 50%. So we're being conservative. So with the original version of the virus, let's use your example that you might have given it to two other people. If you're average, and I'm not saying, Jill, that you're average in any way, but you are for this discussion, then the r not we could say is two. Every one person likely gives it to two other people. Okay. So one becomes two, two becomes four. All right, let's keep going. Let's say the reproductive rate takes about five days between each multiplication. So every five days, we're multiplying in that same way. Day one, just one person. Day five, two people are sick. 
Add five more days, we're at day 10, and four people are sick. Five more days, we're up to eight people. By day 20, we're up to 16 people. And by day 25, we've started a chain that's made 32 people sick. And that's before we've added the 50%. You know, Jill, it's like that shampoo commercial. They coughed on two friends who coughed on two friends who (laughs) coughed on two friends. So we want to remind you, we're not saying the R-naught for SARS-CoV-2 is two. We don't know what the R-naught is yet, but starting with two is some easy math as we play this forward. So now let's do the math on the variant. So we're saying a variant is 50% more transmissible than whatever our baseline was. Our baseline was each person giving the virus to two other people, and the variant now is going to make that three. So from one to two becomes from one to three. All right, Trish, you want to take the math from here? Sure. Day one, it's still just me. On day five, three people are infected. On day 10, those three give it to three, right? So we're up to nine. On day 15, the nine becomes 27. On day 20, that 27 becomes, I may need some help with the quick math here, 81. Yes. And before the month is out, on day 25, you and your coughing, sneezing, exhaling, breathing self will have given this to 243 people, not 32. That's the power of a 50% increase in transmission. And we even use the conservative end of the estimate right now. Coughing, sneezing, singing, yelling, all these things can move tiny droplets, too small to see, out of us and into the air around us. These super small droplets can be inhaled by the next person and spread the virus to other susceptible people. Anyone who is not immune or protected, this is where some of our important interventions come into play. That's why we social distance. That's why we mask. These are all important. There might be people who haven't been fully vaccinated or people who thought they had immunity because they already had the virus themselves. And many of our immune compromised neighbors or small children may not be able to get the vaccine because of their health or age. So they remain susceptible. Yeah. Some of the changes in the Delta variant make it more transmissible, as we just demonstrated. What a difference that can make. But there are some other changes this variant makes as well. Remember before we said that some variants succeed because they evade our immune response? Well, some changes to the viral genome can make a virus sort of a master of disguise. You could sort of think about it like Lois Lane and Clark Kent. Lois Lane could easily recognize Clark, right? She was in the same newsroom and she could point him out like that's Clark Kent over there. But as soon as he put on a Superman disguise, she didn't recognize him as the same guy. And for our immune system, In order to respond to the virus, it has to recognize it. So a virus can disguise itself by adjusting those spike proteins on the outside. And it's like the Delta variant is wearing a disguise. It's hiding the spike proteins that our immune system is looking for in order to fight it off. And that means it can infect more cells and evade detection. Some viruses have even developed what they call a viral cloaking device where they cover themselves in cellular camouflage to evade detection. You know, these variants are no joke, both in greater transmissibility and the potential to avoid detection. How much worse can it get? Well, we have vaccines, correct? And right now in the U.S., the vaccines are working. The three most used vaccines are pretty effective, even against the Delta variant. And this is great news so far. Yeah, if you're fully vaccinated, then we think you may be safe from the Delta variant for now. Remember that each of these threats gets worse. 
And there's nothing to say that what's now the Delta variant won't continue to change. Remember that first variant of concern that was noted in the UK? It was spreading faster at that point than the original recipe virus. Well, the Delta variant is actually spreading not only faster than the original, but it's even spreading faster than that first variant. So the best way to keep a virus from mutating in any of the ways we've talked about is to keep spread to a minimum. Viruses only change during replication. So when they're making copies of themselves, that's when the opportunity for change happens. Fewer copies that get made, the fewer copying errors there are to make. The less virus there is, the less chance for these and other variants to spread. And that saves lives. So get the vaccine when and if you can. It helps in many ways. It protects you, of course, and you're much less likely to get the virus and even less likely to be hospitalized. And the risk of dying from COVID if you're fully vaccinated is very, very small. It also helps decrease the overall amount of virus in our communities. That makes anyone we have been in contact with safer. That makes our neighborhood safer for those who may not be able to be vaccinated and for those who just have not yet been able to receive the vaccination. Unlike Dorothy, we can't just click our heels and make the virus go away. Implementing simple interventions like masks and social distancing, anything we can do that limits viral replication will help limit the progress of this disease. Well said, Trish. And that brings us to the end of this viral yellow brick road and our series on viruses, mutations, and variants, oh my. We hope you found this series informative and that you'll return for future podcasts on a wide range of topics, from healthcare worker safety to personal protective equipment, and even more about infectious diseases of all kinds. If you have any questions or comments for me or Trish or ideas for future shows, please feel free to contact us at info at And for more resources about today's topic or to find out more about Neetech, please find us on the web at netech.org. Thank you all for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time on Transmission Interrupted. You've been listening to Transmission Interrupted, the podcast series from Neetech, the National Emerging Special Pathogens Training and Education Center. Learn more at netech.org.